So good to be here. What a blessing. I uh, I remember that. That was such a wild, wild, wild time. We had, um, in some ways I feel like it's really prophetic. Um, I'm, that was the last time I was here, which is, was that five years ago. And um, maybe this morning um, we can all remind ourselves of that beginning and remember who we are. You know, the, the, the great, um, in Revelation 3 it says, you know, uh, it, it says return to the things that you did at first. And I feel like that's probably a word for, I know it's a word for me. I feel like every time we, we step into a new year and a new season, um, you can't forget what got you there. You know, you can't forget the, the, the sustaining thing. And I, I just feel that over this house. I mean, you guys got like walls that are painted and <laughs> a sound system and kids' rooms and bathrooms. I mean, you've really, <laughs> you've really, <laughs> really done some stuff. Um, but what really sets this place apart, and I remember, you know, going back to, um, uh, I actually picked these up in Times Square yesterday because I led a whole worship set last time I was here with 2015 glasses on. I led a whole worship set here leading into midnight, if those of you guys were here. And um, so I'll bring this up later in the message. But I remember that it was so wild in here. There was hundreds of people, and it was slammed, and it was like anything but pretty. It was just raw, <laughs> wild, pressing into Jesus. It was like hot and sweaty in here and wild. But there was something about that, and I think I remember this prophetic song, like this sound from the underground, like this rumbling from the underground. And so Anyway, I know, I know it looks way more pretty and stuff now, but maybe if we can just remember this morning the wildness of how this place was birthed. And maybe God can infect us again as we launch into a new season with that same returning back to the first love. I, um, I want to bounce around a little bit this morning. Um, first, I think we've added two kids since we were here last <laughs> At least one, maybe two. Um, I, I was going to throw some pictures up there of my family. If, if you have them, you could throw them up there. We've been hanging out in the back, just running around. It's been fun. But these are my kids. This is my squad. Um, uh, this is my daughter, Katura, my son, Ezra, my other son, Zion. This is my son, Malachi. We scored tickets to the Giants game today. I'm going to take Malachi. It's Eli's last hurrah, you know. We just got to... This is last one. Um, so anyway, th this is it. my wife. She's in the back. She's got more grace than any woman alive. Um, go to the next one, I think. That's us. Go to the, yes, beautiful, beautiful family. Oh, I'll share that one in a little bit. Um, my little son, Zion, he's here. He's new. Um, he's like a year, and a year and a half old. There he is. And he is fierce. I mean, he's grown up with two two older brothers that just pound on him every day, and and uh, I think he's I think there hasn't been a day of his life where he hasn't woken up with kids screaming in his face. So he's he's unwavering in his resolve, and uh, he's tenacious. And I'm going to share a little bit about him later. Um, but t I'm just going to be honest. I'm I'm a little uh, I'm still kind of in process mode. I want to share. Um, I feel like the Lord's given me three things for this community as we launch into 2020 and I feel like it is about vision actually I woke up this morning that word about vision I uh, tweeted this out this morning that there's one who is able 
to remove the cataracts of disappointment, failure, and offense clouding our vision so that we can see with 2020 into a new day. And I feel like there's, there's a grace anytime we, we, we come to this, you know, this couple day window where we transition into a new season. There's a grace for us to remove the old and put on the new. And, and I want to read this verse and then get a little vulnerable with, with what we've been going through as a community the last, um, the last two weeks. But if you'll turn to Isaiah 43, I always love this verse. Um, I feel like it's, it, it's, it's always profound um, when we're in this season, when we're stepping into a new day. And, you know, I don't know if you guys have, have seen many of the um, prophecies regarding uh, 2020, but they're pretty wild. And I'm just going to tell you, um, <laughs> you, if you think the world is crazy now, it's about to get to a whole new level. And I, for some reason, I think Christians have this mindset sometimes that they, that, and it's, I'm not saying you guys do in here, but I feel like sometimes there's this theology where it's like, well, if you accept Jesus in your heart, you're going to have peace, and you're just going to walk this road, and you're going to, it's going to be amazing, and, you know, and it's like, no, no, uh, we need to shift our mindset. When you, when you give your life to Jesus, you surrender everything, you, you don't avoid conflict, you attract conflict. <laughs> you 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 act, you are a walking contradiction to every kingdom of this world. We're not look we're not we're we're not on this call trying to avoid conflict. We cause conflict. Like we bring the confliction of the kingdom of heaven to earth and and there's a kingdom here that doesn't want that kingdom. And, you know, I have spent the last, you know, 15 years, we've, we've given our lives to the nations. I've gone to some of the darkest and hardest countries in the world. I've been to three of the top five most closed nations on earth. I've been in, in, in some, some really, I mean, I've been in bulletproof vests in, you know, in ISIS territory with refugees in Iraq. I've been in North Korea on the ground with the persecuted church. I've been in a lot of places. And my last journey in the last few months Stepping in a little bit to the political realm, there's nothing on the earth like the insanity of this realm. I mean, it is like, what? It's like, no wonder Christians, we've abdicated this entire realm of society because it's so gnarly, you know? And, and it's been a test for us. It's been a test for our family. We've encountered, for those of you who don't know, I am running for U.S. Congress in 2020. And... Um, uh, yeah, and I know not, not all Christians are pumped about that. It, it's, it's not a lot of people are pumped about that. It's interesting um, how we preach so much about the kingdom of kev heaven coming to the earth, bring, bringing the kingdom into different spheres of society. But when you start talking about politics, everyone gets weird. We know how to support, you know, billionaire businessmen that go into you know, going to business. We know how we love it when sports stars, you know, throw a touchdown and they thank Jesus. But we, we don't know what it looks like, to be honest, when politicians step into this world. It's just kind of uncharted territory and it's polarizing and everyone has different opinions. And it's just and so we found it very. Um, <laughs> how do I say this diplomatically? We found it very clarifying. <laughs> Uh, for our life and our relationships and our season. We know what God's calling us into. You know, David was a worshiper first. He was a shepherd. He was in the infantry, and he was also a politician. And, and there is a way where we can carry the heart of David into all of these different spheres of society. We must. 
And I'm telling you, as one that's seen a little bit behind the veil in the last season, 2020, going to be cray. <laughs> Strap it up. It's important for Christians not to be the mean people on Facebook, you know, with all our ideas and opinions. We have to carry the kingdom inside of us. We have to know what we stand for. We have to know how to broker peace and build bridges. And, and we have to be the people that bring the calm to the craziness of the storm. Amen. But I want to read this verse in Isaiah 43, um, verse 18. It says, forget the former things. Anybody got some stuff for 2019 you want to forget? I got a ton in 2019 I want to forget. It's interesting that it's, it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Like, don't even dwell on it. Forget it. Pretend it didn't exist. Move beyond it. How do you move beyond it? Forget it. It didn't exist. Pretend like it didn't happen almost. This says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Someone say now. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? It's, it's crazy to me, you know. It, 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 I'm, I'm living in this duality, you know, where I'm in, in the first world and in all these different places. But I'm also, you know, just returned back from India last month. And in India right now, it is exploding with the gospel. Uh, somewhere between 8 and 10% of all of Indians are saved. Okay, let's just do some math here. Any math people? That's 1.3 billion people, okay, one out of every eight people in the world's Indian. So hope you like curry, <laughs> right? 1.3 billion people in India, 10% of that amount are now believers. I mean, and they're saying just with, just with population growth, just with the increase of, just with the churches that are being planted and the, and the, and the people that are getting saved and baptized and healed and all that stuff, it's like, we could actually experience in the next five years 20% of what will be 1.5 billion people saved. It's astounding, right? The average age of the pastors, 17 and a half. <laughs> don't have theology degrees. Some of them don't actually even know how to read the Bible or don't have it translated in their, in their local dialects. They just walk with the Holy Ghost. It's crazy. I mean, they're, and they're seeing, you know, the sick healed, the dead raised. They're seeing immense amounts of persecution. The harder the persecution, actually, Karnataka, which is one of the provinces down south in the center of India, it's getting, it's, they're experiencing one of the most intense bouts of persecution. I just got um, a, an email uh, just this morning from my leader in, in India. And the Burn 24-7, our worship and prayer movement, Right now, we're in 35 cities in India. We, we've now stepped into this space where we've become the largest prayer and worship movement in, in, inside India. And we have uh, our leaders are, you know, I think I'm like writing songs and, you know, doing stuff. And I go there and every single worship leader can sing in nine languages. <laughs> I feel very <laughs> white and simple and... <laughs> Very, <laughs> very <laughs> one-dimensional, you know, and I walk in there and they can play on, you know, they can <laughs> lead on five different instruments and sing in nine languages. And I'm like, I'm always like, please lay your hands on me, please, you know, <laughs> pray for me. But um, 
you know, I just returned from India, and, and I think a lot of us, we, 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 we are, are, have bought into the lie that pervades our culture that, uh, you know, the, the a spirit of unbelief that's filling our land, that's filling the airwaves, that's filling our social media feeds where we think God is dead and he's not moving and it's too difficult and the church is getting smaller. And I'm telling you, the opposite is true. And, I, you know, a, a lot of churches, we pray, we sing songs about God, we want more of your presence, and that's not always bad. But I feel like in 2020, we need to start singing, make us aware of your presence. Make us aware of you already moving. Make us aware of the things that are happening around the world, because a lot of us just don't know. You know, we have all the information at our fingertips, but yet we, do you not perceive it? It's like, that's my thing to you this morning. Like, do you not perceive it? Can't you feel it? And hopefully by the end of today, you'll be able to. Do you not perceive it? Now it springs up. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Forget the former things. I feel like today's a day of forgetting. <laughs> oh, man, I want to forget some stuff. And stepping into the new. I uh, We've recently come out of this really unique season and um i know that probably some of you have been have been tracking with what's going on in our community and right in california and we um one of our amazing worship leaders one of our good friends lost their two-year-old baby uh, about two weeks ago unexpectedly suddenly and um you know we prayed for for days for resurrection we prayed for days for a miracle we actually i think even the new york post ran a story on it uh, it became one of these things where it's like these these fanatics out there again, Bethel. Just how dare they believe the things that Jesus told us to believe, you know? And we were we were praying and we were believing and we pressed in. And I think that the first night when it happened, we worshipped and prayed through the night, and um, and then we did it again, and then we did it again, and then we did it again, and um, uh, and and I'm I'm leaving this, you know, we we ha we didn't see the fullness of the promise manifest and, and we were there just uh, um, before we took the red eye to come out here we went to the memorial service where we celebrated the life of this little baby and her name uh, means awakening and uh and and what's stunning is watching our community walk through this it's it's interesting like your theology is is really pretty until it matters <laughs> it's like we like and and when you st and, and your songs are really pretty until they matter and your prayers are really nice until you need them to survive and there's something about the seasons that we walk through that tests the realness of our faith you know and they test us and i'm telling you i i've i, I have never seen any and i've you know i've walked through losing my my father to cancer and i walked through a lot of you know things as as a lot of us have um throughout the years but I've never seen anything like this it was it was and I'm still astounded and I still am, 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 am in this in this mysterious realm because like I saw a community come alive I saw the and the most fiery passionate prayers and worship I mean the, the these were some of the most dynamic worship services I've ever been in, in my whole life not one single person in the room didn't think God would do it like we all fully believe that this 
baby was going to wake up. We fully believed. We sung it. We prophesied. And I don't know. We they recently were releasing some of the um, statistics, and apparently the this story reached over thirty million people around the world, virally on social media, on internet, and different things. And um, at this memorial service, um, I got to see my friends, you know, mom and dad get up there and sing songs about the goodness of God. And, you know, Callie got up there and she led this, this song, just like pouring out her heart to Jesus. And it was, it was so incredibly profound, you know, and, and not only has all, all of our hearts been awakened, I mean, our, our communities will, will never be the same. You know, and it's interesting how you can walk through that and yet come out the other side believing even more now for miracles and signs and wonders and resurrection. It's a weird thing how you can actually come out on the other side, not seeing the total fulfillment, but yet believe even more God is who he says he is. And I feel like that for a lot of us, that's that's the season that we're in right now where it's. It's 2019, and, and anybody have some dreams and goals and, and, and desires that didn't happen in 2019? Five of us. Okay. The rest of you are like, everything in your whole heart happened you could ever want? No, I have a lot of things that I, come on, lift your hands. If you have a lot of things you wanted to see that didn't happen, and, and we have a choice. You know, this time of year we have we have a choice. We we can we can we we can uh, step into, and I love how Bill says, you know, if. You know, like the, the enemy is is the author of the spirit of complaining, <laughs> you know, and, and if we if we allow that, if we come into agreement with that spirit, it prohibits us from stepping cleanly and purely into a new season. And so a lot of us, we have these disappointments, we have these uh, these cataracts, you know, and I, I don't have cataracts. Thank God yet, or I won't. But, you know, from what I hear, they slowly begin to be created. You don't even realize it's happening. Things just start to get fuzzy slowly. Things just start to get cloudy slowly. It's like it's not like you wake up one morning and you can't see. It's progressive. And because it's progressive and it happens slowly, you don't even know it's happening until you go in and you're like, yeah, it's, it's weird. And then it's like, oh, you have cataracts. And that's what happens to our hearts. That's what happens to our spirits is we progressively buy into disappointment, discouragement, uh, uh, you know, offense. I feel like, I mean, this is, <laughs> this is the most offended generation that's ever walked the earth. I'm convinced of it. I mean, I, like we, we, we feel like we have the right to be offended at every little thing. And we're offended at people because they're not offended because of what we're offended about. It's it's fascinating. It's like and we forget that the most offended man in all of human history literally gave his last breath on the cross to forgive his offenders all their offenses. And yet somehow 2019, we feel like we have the right. And I'm telling you, you got no right. And, and if you're carrying that spirit of offense, it's just clouding your vision. It's clouding your ability to see clearly of what God's calling you into. And I feel like this morning is a morning where we're just taking the cataracts off. And we're going to see again. Come on, if you don't remember anything, remember me wearing these dorky glasses. I had to barter some guy in Times Square. He wanted eight bucks for this. I'm like, bro, I've been to this city way too much. 
I'll give you one dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I paid two for it. But anyway, point is, is there's three installments, three uh, New Year installments I feel like God wants to give. One is wide-eyed wonder. Wide-eyed wonder. I, we, was, we were walking in Times Square. I love, my favorite thing is every time we, we go there, and we haven't brought Zion, is I love to see babies step into that place for the first time. It's like overload, <laughs> you know, they're just looking around, they can't look fast enough, they can't look high enough, you know, and, and you should have seen him, it was so cute, he just, he couldn't get his, he's just like, what is this place, you know, we live on 15 acres, very rurally in Northern California, and we love it, and we have four wheelers, and we're just pretty much the opposite of Manhattan, you know. And so when we step into Times Square, he goes, what is happening, you know, and it's like the wonder of a child, you know, and, and there's a wide eyed wonder. The second thing is uh, open handed expectation. Wide eyed wonder. This is for you guys. This is not like a, uh, I don't like take the same sermon and preach it everywhere. I don't do that. You know, I, I really prayed this morning and there's three things God gave me. Wide eyed wonder, open handed expectation. And the last thing is unrelenting intercession. Now, wide eyed wonder, I want you to turn to Revelation 117. I've been really rocked recently by this verse, and it's kind of obscure and kind of comes in this really interesting moment. Um, anybody read the book Revelation? <laughs> Speaking of not being overwhelmed, anybody read uh, <laughs> about the beasts and the dragons? And <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like the most intense thing that's ever been written, you know? And uh, it is important to read and it is important to digest, but I love my favorite thing is is... I love how the Lord knows when we're getting overwhelmed. You know, and one of my favorite things about worship, like. One of the most beautiful privileges we get to do is it's what you guys were doing this morning. I love this church because you're worshiping people. It's not just three fast and three slow and let's prepare our hearts for the message. And that's really bad theology, by the way. I don't know where that came from, but if you study first century worship, really, I mean, if you look at the foundation of the early church, it's all through, you know, the, the letters of Paul, about, about 85 to 90 percent of all they did was worship and pray. There was no, like, crowning moment for the sermon. I mean, it was they gathered together to worship and pray. That's what they did, and, and I feel like the DNA of that in this house, I'm just so, so grateful for um, and something happens, you know, when you step out of the insanity of your world and your life and your schedules and all the stuff you got going on. And our Uber driver was late because he took the wrong stinking way to come here and whatever. And you step into the atmosphere of presence and worship. And it's like everything starts to make sense again. It's interesting. I was I was sitting behind. I was in a some hipster coffee shop in an unnamed city which I won't mention, in the Midwest, called Texas, in Texas. <laughs> and uh, and I, was, I was getting ready to preach at, at one of my favorite churches down there, Upper Room, which is one of our, our great commu you know, communities we've been a part of. But, and I was sitting there, and I don't think these, these kids went there, but they were at the coffee shop, and they were just like, you know, getting their $6 lattes, and they were just like in deep millennial thought. Just solving the issues of the world. Now, I can rag on millennials because I am one, you know, and I love it. You know, and they're sitting there and they're like, man, 
they're like, dude, we're like, I mean, we're not at church right now, but we are the church. <laughs> so good. It was so good. I wanted to record it, but they were like, we are the church. Like, we're sitting here, like, in this relationship. Like, this is the church, man. This is what, and I just, and then they proceeded to uh, talk for the next 30 minutes about everything that's wrong with the church. And, and I just thought, man, this is the most depressing church I've ever heard of. Like, and I just thought about this massive, like almost this anti-establishment, this push away from of the coming together of the saints. And I, I just want to say real quick, like God's not into that. <laughs> like, first of all, we got to be super careful how we talk about his bride. That's his girlfriend. That's his wife, right? And yeah, I, th- we are going stepping into a season of reformation, and there's a lot of things the church needs to do, and, and God's working his, 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 his wonders on the, the body. But, you know, I feel like this is the season where we actually need to come together more. We don't need to disengage. We don't need to try to, you know, uh, break everything down and, 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 and be removed. We actually need to come together. We need to fight for relationship. We need to fight for family. We need to fight for worship. We need to come together more. We need more conferences. We need more prayer meetings. We need more worship times. We need more. The church actually needs more activity, not less. It says in Hebrews 11 that, you know, uh, need, you need to spur one another on coming together against what some are in the habit of doing, against, against people pushing away. We need to come together. So more prayer and worship services, more prayer sets, more events, more staff, <laughs> more resources. All right. Revelation. So, so, so here's the picture here. Here's wide-eyed wonder. So, so, you know, Jesus or God is starting to release this end-time revelation, right? And John is, is there, and he's, you know, poor John. He's about to get downloaded with, it's the end of the world. And, you know, you know it's like he's about to get downloaded with the most intense, like, vision that any human being has ever seen in their life. He's about to be downloaded with the end of the age plans from heaven. And he's sitting there, you know, on, uh, in Patmos. And it says that um, he got a little bit... Uh, overwhelmed <laughs> in 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 chapter one it's like bro you got a long way to go like but in chapter one he all he does is he sees a vision of jesus right it comes before him and i'm not going to read the whole thing but you know it says that you know he turned around and i saw a voice and i saw seven golden lampstands and da 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 and around them you know was a, a man he was dressed with a robe and he had a golden sash and he had hair in his head that was li- white like wool and anyway just just really does not talking about dragons or bulls or or things being opened or I mean that's coming later. This is literally just a vision of Jesus. Right? And like like we're only 17 verses in and John goes, "I'm out." Verse 17 he goes, "When I saw him I fell at his feet as though dead." Then he placed his right hand on me. It's like, "John, bro, you're only 17 verses in." And you're already playing like you're dead. But the kindness of God, the kindness of God to know that John still has, you know, how many more chapters to go? He's got 21 more chapters. So God comes to bring a little reassurance so that he can handle the rest of the vision. Because he understands that he's overwhelmed. So he speaks this over him, which is so powerful. 
He says, do not be afraid. He placed his hand on me. Do not be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. I want to read this in the Passion Translation. I just love this. So passionate. It says, um, I love how it says this. It says, verse, verse 17, when I saw him, I fell down at his feet, good as dead, but he laid his right hand on me and I heard his reassuring voice. Say, don't yield to fear. I am the beginning and I am the end. So he comes to him, 16 verses in. And he says, John, before this starts to get crazy, because it is going to get crazy, let me just remind you, I know the end of the story. I am the end of the story. I'm the first and the last. So don't yield to fear. Your confidence is that I know the end of the story, and it ends well. And I feel like there's, you know, as we've walked through this season, you know, with, with you know, losing this baby, and, and, you know, about a year and a half ago, we walked through the worst fires in California state history that, that burned through our town, and you know, this, this theology began coming real in our community that if it's not good yet, it's not the end. Some of y'all need to write that down. If it's not good yet, it's not the end. Because our promise in Romans 8 is he turns all things for good. That's not a promise for the world. I mean, that's not like for unbelievers. That only applies to those found in Christ. That's one of our greatest promises is no matter what we walk through, he will find a way to turn it for good. <laughs> is the loss of a two-year-old devastating? 1,000%. Devastating. Should never happen. The worst thing I can imagine a parent coming through. But I'm telling you, God has awakened something in our community. Millions of people around the world believe. It's so fascinating to me that somehow God can use even the most horrific things that we walk through. He can turn them together. And I feel like, you know, the key for us stepping into this wild-eyed wonder, this, this, this wild-eyed season where we're completely aware and completely alive is for us remembering, oh, yeah, 2020 is probably going to get gray. Maybe. Maybe the biggest election in the history of our country. I mean, they say that every four years, but this one is pretty wild. You know, and the rhetoric is just going to be turned up. It ain't going to get chiller. Like, it, it's 2019, are, are you seeing the things being said? We're still 11 months from the election. Like, America's, it's going to be insane. The climate, the polarization, the, 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 the working of the enemy to provoke fear and discouragement and division. And I'm telling you, only a united church can heal a divided nation. It's not robes of red or blue. It's robes of purple. <laughs> Royalty. Come on, you guys with me? So I love this, how he says, and this is just, it's so profound and so simple. It's like, I feel like sometimes we forget, oh yeah, we know the end of the story. 
It's like we walk through our days, we live, we, we live our lives, we look at our bank accounts, we look at our job, we look at our situation, and we forget that we actually know what happens in the end. Our confidence is that we know that it ends good for us. <laughs> no one else in the world can say that. And so I love how he's telling, he's telling John, he's, listen, don't yield to fear. Remember who I am, because I promise you, the next 21 chapters are going to be insane. And so you need to be planted in an unshakable foundation. And that's what God wants to do. The second thing. Wide-eyed wonder. The second thing. I got points today. You should tell Charles this. My old pastor. He'll be proud. Open-handed expectation. Open-handed expectation. Open-handed expectation. Always expecting him to show up always expecting him to show up and show up always believing I mean I'm telling you five years ago like we we were in here rumbling for 72 hours we literally believed the whole city was being shaken the prayers that were prayed, the worship that was sung, like we believed it. And that's always the challenge is how do we stay in that place where we still believe? Second Peter 2, and by the way, it's turn to Second Peter 2. This is a great season for us to review the prophetic words over our lives, over our families, over our communities. Um, it, it's interesting how in the New Testament there's quite a few stern warnings on not forgetting, not misplacing the prophetic words. This is why Israel kept wandering. And I just, I see communities, I see people, I see really good people continuing to wander because they forgot the words. They forgot the promises. In 2 Peter uh, verse 1, chapter, or chapter 1, verse 19, it says, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. It's interesting. You <laughs> it's funny how it says the prophetic message is reliable, but a lot of times the delivery is weird. Like, I've never met, like, a legit prophet that was normal. Is anybody in here? Like, and don't let any of these other guys fool you, you know, like I know David Wagner, he's a good friend of mine. He tries to pretend like he's normal. He's not normal. He's weird. <laughs> right. And it's almost like a necessity for every prophet to be like slightly off. <laughs> not not to get political, but this is kind of funny. Um, there was a there. <laughs> I was watching this YouTube video of Kim Clement. How many of you guys remember Kim Clement? Right. He had the mullet, you know. He's just so much glory in his mullet. You know, he he rocked the 80s mullet and he played the piano, man. And he would just and, and, you know, like it would start to get wild and prophetic when he started swinging his mullet. <laughs> it was like, uh oh, it's about to happen, you know. And uh, I was watching this video of him in 2014, 20. I think it was 2013 or 2014. It's on YouTube. You can look it up. And he's sitting there and he said the craziest stuff imaginable. And same thing with Bob Jones, who prophesied, you know, Bob Jones was the one that told Mike Bickle, 1983, he said he's, Mike Bickle was a mega church pastor in Kansas City, right? He had a lot of the Kansas City chief football players going to his church, and it was really prestigious. And um, 
he was young then, and, and, and Bob went up to him, and he said, hey, um, he said, you're not supposed to be a megachurch pastor. You're going to start one of the greatest prayer movements in the history of the world. And Mike Bickle said, I don't, well, I don't even like to pray. <laughs> and Bob said, well, I see people, this is 1983, I see people in rice paddy fields in China watching your prayer meetings with TVs in their hand. 1983, yeah. So these guys say, like, crazy stuff. So anyway, Kim Clement's there, and he's, you know, playing the piano, and it's not even, like, on topic of anything. And out of the blue, he just goes, and Donald Trump's going to be the president. <laughs> 2014. And he swings his <laughs> hair like that, you know. And, and then he just keeps going on with whatever he was doing. Like, it was so random. And it's like, the, there, the, you have to understand the prophetic, sometimes the way it's delivered, most of the time the way it's delivered is really weird. But it says here in 2 Peter, it says, we have this prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. I was really moved by this. I have three, you know, four kids. I said three. I have four now. <laughs> and and, and, and I, 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 I've realized that we have a lot of words over their lives and a lot of prophecies, and we may come into a season, you know, where we need to war on those, and we need to remind ourselves right. <laughs> in the teen years and the whatever. And so I got, you know, four journals for my kids so that we can write down all of the prophetic words over each of them so that we can return back to those words when we're in tumultuous seasons, you know, like and, and it's important. It says you will do well to pay attention to it, it, for it is a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. It's important for us. To carry open-handed expectation for the words that God has promised. I want to encourage you guys in the next couple days, dig up those prophetic words. Even the crazy ones, right? Even the ones that you feel like are so weird and so out of left field and so strange. I had, I had a dream. I had a dream a long time ago when I was a kid that I... I got a chance to walk into the Oval Office and pray in the Oval Office. So weird. And about three weeks ago when I walked into the Oval Office and prayed in the Oval Office, the Lord reminded me of that dream walking into the Oval Office. So even the subtleties of the dreams of God, it's important. We got we to gotta remind ourselves of those as they will be a, a bright light leading us into the season ahead. Okay, the last thing is unrelenting intercession. Turn to 1 Samuel 1. I'm going to do this quick. So this, this is really where I wanted to land because this is what I love about this community. Wild, unrelenting intercession that believes in the audacity of God's dreams and his plans for our lives and community. And I want to talk about Hannah. 1 Samuel 1. I want to talk about Hannah, I love this chapter. I love this, this thought about this woman that was so despised and so neglected and, so, uh, and, and, and was so li literally ostracized because of her audacious faith. She was promised a baby. She was barren. And... If you see in the story in, in 
I want to read just a little bit of it. It says, verse 3, it says, Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penaniah, and to all her sons and daughters. This is 1 Samuel 1. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. <laughs> this, is <laughs> this is where the show Mean Girls started. Um, this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? It's so funny how the Bible is like, it's so real. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It's like a husband trying to console his wife. And he's like, babe, like, look at me. I mean, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? It's like, it's so classic, you know. It's like, like, no compassion. Like, just like, come on, babe, like, check me out, you know. Oh, oh, I've never done that before. Once they had finished eating and drinking, at Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting in his chair by the doorpost of the house of, of the Lord. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. It's interesting. Um, the first ever statement made about the early church was that it was drunk. That was the first observation in all of history. And in 2019, I feel like that's maybe like one of the least most observed things. Maybe we need to regain that back <laughs> as a badge of honor. It's like whenever you see, I mean, this is not the first time. It's several times in the Bible you see fervent intercession. People think they're drunk. Fervent intercession, it's not, it's not supposed to look pretty. It's, it's outlandish. It's wild. It flies in the face of, of cerebral thinking, you know. So it said, Eli said she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, she replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. It's interesting. Um, I was just thinking about Hannah, right, because th this is why this is a big deal. Like, the whole story of humanity and the redemption of mankind hinges on the prayers of one woman. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Hannah, like, her, <laughs> she, she wasn't contending just for a son. Yeah, of course, she wanted a baby. She knew that that was her promise. She was literally contending for the birth of the prophetic movement on the earth. 
Like Samuel, her son, was the first prophet. Like he inaugurated the prophetic movement for all the earth. And guess what? He anointed David and out of David's lineage came Jesus. Like it's funny. We think sometimes the things that we're contending for, we don't understand. Like God doesn't work. He's not one dimensional. He works like the little things that we're called to press in for. We think they're little. They're not little. He thinks in three generation increments. We think about how, what we're going to do in five years. God's like five years. Give me a break. I think in 100 year periods, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I am dreaming in three generations with every move that you make. I am thinking, how's this affecting your children's children's children? I speak at our ministry school every year and I love it because it's wild. It's like you could get I get get up there and you could just sing Kumbaya and it works. Anything works, right? You don't have to be a good worship leader. You don't have to be anything. You just get up there and, and, and the school is wild. It's 3000 ministry school students that are just frothing at the mouth and they're, Bleh, you know, and uh, it's like a good confidence booster, you know, like you can say anything and they're like, amen. You're like, wow, that was good. You know, it's like, <laughs> but, but I was with them and one of the things, you know, it's like all this pressure, you know, like, oh, what am I going to do with the next few years of my life and who am I going to marry and what am I going to go and when's my moment going to come and when am I going to get people going to see me and when am I going to be launched into ministry? And I always tell them, listen, I don't know that God cares your occupation. I mean, did I ever dream of being a politician? No, I still don't dream of it. <laughs> like what he's doing in us is so more important. What he's doing, who we're becoming is way more important than what we're doing. Because guess what? Your job description in your life is probably going to change like 20 times. <laughs> and I don't know that that matters a lot to God. I think we put a lot of weight there and I think he's just, eh. you know. But who we're becoming and how we're impacting the next generation, and the decisions that we're making and the obedience that we're walking in. And how we're going to change generations and generations and generations that come after us. And so Hannah, it's almost like she feels the weight of the future. And everyone's despising her. They're scorning her. They're making fun of her. They're saying, just give it up, Hannah. It's like, I already got another wife with a bunch of kids. You're good. Here's a double portion. Hannah goes, no, I refuse your double portion. I refuse to come into agreement with defeat. Gosh, she's, I, she's one of the first people I want to meet in heaven. Firewoman, right? Unrelenting passion. Every year they go up. Every year they go up to Shiloh. They make the pilgrimage to Shiloh. And every year she has no kid. She has to face disappointment year after year after year. She has to face discouragement. She has to face mocking and jeering. She has to face the fact that God hasn't come through and yet she refuses to relent. <laughs> That's the church. It's a picture of intercession. She doesn't under. She, she probably doesn't even realize the weight of it that she is supposed to birth the first prophet that's going to walk the face of the earth. And it was interesting, me and my wife, we were out in Israel and, and um, earlier this year, and, and I felt like we were supposed to bring our son and he, my, my last baby, his name is Zion, Zion David. 
not really a chill name. Um, and uh, it's really interesting because we do so much work in the Muslim world, and like I've, I'm in a t- ton of different Muslim nations, and and so it's a very <laughs> uh, polarizing name <laughs> for your son <laughs> to be called Zion, you know, to be w- walking around the Middle East. But anyway, we just felt like it was just he was just a, a, it was like a call on a generation. And so anyway, we're there in Israel, and I really wanted to like, you know, um, I wanted to do a thing and like really dedicate him to the Lord in Israel. There was something I just felt like that was his on his life for that. And so we were walking around. We were in the old city, and I, was, I couldn't find the right place. I was like, yeah, let's go to, you know, let's go to the Mount of Olives, you know, and overlook the Eastern Gate, which is one of my favorite places in the world, you know. And and um, didn't feel like that was a place. And we went to the Garden Tomb, and, you know, it would be a great place, and t- just didn't feel it. And it was the last day we were there, and – um, our bus driver, who was a um, uh, who was a, a Palestinian, um, offered to take us into um, I- into Palestinian territory, to go outside of Bethlehem actually, and go into a newly discovered town called Shiloh. And I had read about Shiloh, but I'd never been there. I've been to Israel tons, but I'd never been to this area. And he's like, "Yeah, they just discovered, um, you know, when they were." you know, excavating this area, they actually found where the temple of the Lord stood for 360-something years, and and it's in Shiloh, and there's one couple that lives there, and they are uncovering it and excavating it, and so I was like, that sounds really cool, so we started to, to go out there, and we made our way from Jerusalem, and when we got there, we walked out, and it was really windy, we walked down the hill to where the temple of the Lord stood for all of those years. And our, our guy that was with us came to us and he said, hey, this exact place right here was the gateway into the temple and this was where Hannah would have come every year. And I'll, I was like, this is the spot, you know. <laughs> so I ran and got Zion and you can show that picture. And this is the picture of us at that exact location. And we lifted him up. And, you know, we had a miscarriage before Zion, and it was really brutal, and my wife couldn't get pregnant, and it was, we just went through a really difficult season, and, um, and, and Zion was, was, was the promise, you know, that, that we were pressing in for, and give my wife credit, she's pressed in for it more than me, she was, like, reminding me, there's one missing, there's one missing, it's like, it's like moms know, you know, like, how do they know, they just know, um, and I, I don't think any more is missing now, I think we're good, but... <laughs> But um, but 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 we had this moment there at, at this at this exact spot. And and to me, the Lord just began to speak to me about this, how he's raising up a movement. Of worshipers on the earth that are going to pray audacious, wild, unrelenting prayers like Hannah did. And they're going to return year after year after year after year, and they are going to refuse to be defeated. And I just want to, like, I want to end this time this morning. I want to pray these things over you. But I, I believe that, that this is an invitation for us. I believe that we are stepping into a day of new vision. I believe that 2020, in all of its glory, it, that there is something on us seeing like we've never seen before. But I feel like in order us for us to get there, we have to forget the former things, 
We have to step in. Yes, get the shofar. Cue the shofar. We're going to need that. We have to carry wide-eyed wonder, open-handed expectation, and unrelenting intercession. And so I want to pray just over this community. I want to pray over everybody here. I, I believe with all of my heart. Listen, and I'm telling you, after coming out of the last, I wish I could transport you guys all to that atmosphere that we had. It was stunning. I mean, we have great worship sets. We have amazing worship leaders. We have, the, I think, the best sound, probably the best band in the world. I mean, I'm biased, but I think our guys are amazing. But I've never experienced anything like this. And it was almost like, it was like we didn't know as we were contending for the awakening of a baby that God was really awakening us. Like our hearts are being awakened. Our lives are being aligned. We're starting to see things different than we ever saw them before. He is turning even our deepest disappointments. He's turning them all for his good. He's turning them all for his glory. And whatever you want to, whatever you're stepping out of from 2019 and whatever you walk through in 2019, I'm telling you, he's going to use it. And we're coming into a season and it is not going to get calmer. It's a prophecy. <laughs> it's not going to get more chill and it's probably not going to be very peaceful. I mean, we carry the Prince of Peace, but out there is going to get even more crazy. He's going to shake everything that can be shaken so that he can reveal a people that will not be shaken. And there's a difference, you know, when everyone gets caught up into the hysteria and the political climate and the crisis and they see Christians that are joyful. I'm like, I want to start a slogan, make Christians happy again. Like for crying out loud, like, like I meet these people that say they're believers and they're the most grumpy human beings I've ever met. And I'm like, that's really bad PR. It's bad marketing. Like, let's remove that spirit off of us. Let's step in with expectation. Doesn't mean that we're that we're that we're disconnected from the reality of the things that we face, but it just means that we're greater, greatly more connected to another reality. So let's stand up. I want to pray over you guys. Um, I do want to mention, too, we have some amazing resources I, I brought back there. And I would th I have a new a new book, newer book called Integrity that I wrote with Bill Johnson and Heidi Baker and my good friend Andy Bird and Cindy Jacobs is in here. And anyway, it's just an amazing book, um, Pursuing Integrity for Families and, and um business leaders and entrepreneurs and, and people, you know, husbands, wives, it's amazing. Culture Revival, this is another great book that we have back there written by a bunch of young, fiery millennials. And then this album is just, it's just so dear to us called Victory. I don't know if you guys have, we've been singing these songs and, you know, we wrote this record in the season where we were removed from the fires and our whole town was burning and we were writing an album about victory. <laughs> And uh, it was actually became a really prophetic sound that I feel like God's used. And so anyway, um, and I have a new album, too, called Wild. So th those are back there on your way out. A hundred percent of those proceeds go to missions that we're doing around the world. So please just get them. It'll be it'll be a blessing. But I want to pray. Um, and uh, if I could get so just a little swirl behind me, a little glory swirl piano makes the prayer even better. It's like...
How many um, feel excited for the new year? How many feel overwhelmed for the new year? I feel a little overwhelmed. Um, and that's okay. I think it's important for us to, to lay it all before the Lord. Um, but I feel like for those that are feeling overwhelmed, the Lord's saying, Revelation 1.17, don't yield to fear. Remember the end of the story. He's doing things on the earth like we've never seen. He's moving in ways that he's never moved. There's over 7 billion people in the world. I mean, it's like <laughs> these, these letters that Paul wrote were, were written to a puny, tiny church that was persecuted and hiding in caves. And today, these words are being read in a church in Nigeria that's 1.5 million people. <laughs> like one church. They're preaching those same words. There's another church... I was just by in Hyderabad, India, that seats 400,000 people. And they're reading the words of Paul that were written for a puny, neglected church. I mean, we are living in historic days. And it's so important for us to keep our vision and keep our focus and keep the promises in front of us and fight and contend. I just want to bless that spirit of intercession that's in this house. Lord, I pray, God, make them crazier in 2020. Make them look more drunk in 2020. I pray, Lord, that you would amplify the sound of prayer and worship over New York City. Lord, use this place. I pray, God, for a supernatural flood of resources to burn the oil of worship and prayer. God, I thank you that you found a people that will press in for your presence. And I thank you, God, that this 2020, God, is going to be a year of returning back to what they did at first. It's going to be a year of presence. It's going to be a year, and it's like, it's like, yeah, we, we love, yeah, you got our nursery and, a, and you know, painted walls, and you got all the stuff, and it's, it's great, but what makes it special is the fire of his presence. This is why we're all here, not for programs, for presence. All the other things are necessary, but one thing is needed. And I pray that there would be such a grace and an anointing on the worship from this house, God, that it would continue. I pray for the hijacking of normalcy. I pray, Lord, that they would be unable to do normal services because the worship would just take over. I pray, Lord, for, for, for this real estate, Lord, this, 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 this atmosphere, God, this place down here on 75 Maiden Lane, God, that you would absolutely create a, a vortex uh, where people step inside of here and, and where they're filled with impossible impossibilities, they walk in here to what's possible. Lord, where they step out of the cynicism and the pessimism and the division and, 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 and the climate of insanity and they come into here and they feel your presence and they see your goodness. Gather, Lord, people, just like the, 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 the cave of Adullam. Gather a bunch of strange weirdos here. The dejected, the distressed the depressed, the hopeless. Let them come in here and find you, God. 
It's interesting, I'm getting this thing, I feel like that this is going to be a year of, of radical intercession and worship, but I also feel like it's going to be one of, of, of compelling evangelism. I feel like those two things are going to come together hand in hand, like it's not going to be one or the other, it's both and more. It's the fire and the fragrance, it's the prayer and the mission. I pray, God, for the evangelistic calling. Let this be a place that draws in the lost. And I just pray, lastly, I just want to pray that God would activate. Come on, just lift your hands if you're here. I want, I want to just pray an activation of, of all of the words that we're carrying. Come on, we're all carrying words. So many words, so many dreams. And I, I pray that you would take the next two days and you would begin to articulate and write the dreams out. Get a tattoo if you need. Do whatever you need. Like, write the words down. Put them around your house. Annoy yourself with his words over your life. Don't forget them. Don't sink into despair because they haven't happened. Come on, let something rise up within you, a fight to contend again. Come on, God's going to do it. Even the subtle dreams, even the subtle things that you don't think are a big deal, God wants to activate those. God, I pray for supernatural faith to be released in this room. I pray, God, that as we approach a new season, God, that you would initiate that spark of hope in our life again. Lord, just like Hannah refused to come into agreement with despair and defeat, she refused to comply with the, with the, with the advice of others to let it go. I just feel like some of you need to stop complying with the advice of people letting it go. Find new friends that believe in those words. Don't surround yourself with doubters and skeptics and cynics. Find people of faith that you can look at with the craziest eyes and they still believe you. I pray for the activation of those words, God, the activation of those dreams. I pray, Lord, that we would, we would not just, just limp across the finish line into a new year, but we would explode with expectation. I bless this house. I bless this community, God. I thank you for the dream of God being birthed here. Sean, I really feel